0: People talk a lot about short attention spans, but you know what's really sad? The most common solution that most people offer is just to provide less, less information, less content, less connection. And yeah, we can blame social media for some of the problems that we have with short attention spans, maybe even most of it. But I think also a lot of it has to do with the fact that so many people are creating boring content or putting out bad writing or spinning uninteresting narratives. Good stories grab you from the very beginning and then keep you engaged at every opportunity. We just have to get better at creating content, writing, and telling stories. So what makes for an attention-grabbing start to your buyer's journey? That's exactly what Katie and I are going to talk about on today's episode of Own Your Business. What's the formula for an effective hook? Where do you need to use it? And how can you attract and repel your readers? Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales pricing and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I've booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Katie Taylor-Jacobson, welcome back to the podcast. It is so good to have you on again. I love our little chats, especially when we're talking shop about how to get our clients and listeners more money.
1: Well, that's good because that's what we talk about ninety nine point nine percent of the time. When we're not talking about our teenagers or our dog, we are talking about work. And
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we've gotten better at compartmentalizing it over the years, though, don't you think?
1: I mean, I think so. I mean, but it's no joke being a husband and wife team. You know, it's again, this is not the podcast for that. But we should do a podcast on that in the future, like things we've learned. As a husband and wife team working together,
0: should we bring should we bring a therapist on with us to engage 100%. in the conversation?
1: We pay our therapist a lot of money as it is, so let's bring her on for sure.
0: <laughs> I think that'd be great. I mean, it'd be fun to do a joint session that didn't involve talking about our kids. Maybe we could just make it talk about our work.
1: hundred percent. I love that idea. Let's call her.
0: Okay. Good. All right, uh, listeners, make sure you're taking note. And if we haven't done one in a year that's about this topic call us out on it because we'll be sure to oblige but today we're going to talk about how to make you guys more money and that's really exciting for us because there are so many things that go into the buyer's journey that you can lose a client on and you don't even know we we get all sorts of wedding professionals who call us and want to know what can i do about this and that and the other thing and we're happy to provide solutions for those things that you call us on But I always tell people the same thing, and I'll tell you right now, and that is that the biggest value that we offer is in identifying the problems that you don't even know about, the things that are blindsiding your success. And the website is a pretty big landmine for most people. You are getting so many people on your site, but you're not getting nearly enough inquiries. And if you don't believe me, just go and take a look at the number of unique website visitors you have every month and then go through and subtract the number of inquiries that you got for that month. And that'll be the number of people who walk into your store and then walk back out without buying anything. And so we know that there are lots of things that you must do, but one of the most important things is you've got to hook your ideal client as soon as they land on your website. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I want to just break down what the title of this episode is of Hook Your Ideal Client. The first part about it is hooking, and the second part talks about the ideal client. And in the conversation that we have today with Katie, we're going to go through and we're going to talk about the second part first and the first part second. So let's begin with an ideal client, because that's pretty much where everything with your business starts. So... How would you define an ideal client or how do you and our team put together what an ideal client looks like for our clients, people who are like the ones that are listening right now?
1: Sure. So, you know, I think actually you and I, I don't know if you came up with the three Ps or if I
0: I did. did. I'm going to take credit. All right.
1: Well, you sometimes take credit for my stuff. So I'm just going to take credit for yours
0: today. Well, Uh, I'm taking credit for this one because I really like it. And I promise I won't take credit for the other stuff unless I do.
1: I'm just kidding. Um, so the three P's um, is what we refer to as price. Um, can the client afford your services, um, and not just afford like on a minimum level? Can they, you know, can they make your photography or videography a priority and 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 pay a good amount for that without sacrificing sort of the rest of the event or wedding? The second one is project. Is the project something you would be proud to work on? More importantly, would you be proud to share it on social media and on your website? And then the third thing is, is it a good personality fit? Is their personality and yours going to gel? Um, Is their way of communicating and yours going to work together? So price, project, and personality, the three Ps. Not always are you going to find a client that's going to have all three. So oftentimes I even tell someone, it's okay if they don't have all three. Let's try to get to at least two out of three. And that would be a really good start.
0: I think that's really good advice. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I try and manage the expectations when I talk with people about ideal clients. You want to market to your ideal clients, but you got to sell to the people who come in and sometimes they're going to be ideal, but other times they're going to be pretty good. And hopefully you don't get many, but there will be some that are not so good. And, and your job as, as a human until chat GPT can go through and (laughs) analyze, uh, you know, all the different data points that you need to, to make that judgment about whether it's an ideal client or not, you are going to have to qualify that client. And it's almost always done on a discovery call. And so, you know, you want to make sure that they're a good enough fit on a couple of these criteria before you get on a discovery call. And then you want to confirm it when you're on the call and, Some people can afford to be more picky than others to work with, sorry, more particular than others to work with only ideal clients. And I want to pull on this thread a little bit because I think it's important. You know, a lot of the advice that comes from educators or stars in the industry or even icons in the industry is typically based on what their current beliefs are right now and what they're doing with their businesses right now. And so I hear from a lot of educators like work with your ideal clients, make sure that you love the project and you love working with them and that they can afford your services and pay you your worth. That is ideal. However, a lot of people who provide that advice are in a position to only need to take a few events because they charge so much and or they have so much demand that they can be that picky. I mean, particular, with their clients. And so if you too find yourself in a position where you can be so particular with who you work with that you only work with ideal clients, amazing, good for you. And you should always shoot for that. But at some point, your business is a business and you need to pay the bills and you need to make sure that you're doing things long term for the the growth of your company. And it's really hard to do that if you're being overly selective and only working with people who are absolutely 100% perfect for your business.
1: Exactly. Good. I'm glad you are in agreement.
0: So now that we've got the three Ps dialed in, price, project, and personality, that's what we're paying attention to. Let's talk a little bit about how we learn to even identify the characteristics of our ideal client. We get a lot of people who come to us and they say, oh, I already know a lot about my ideal client. I know you know, that they're like this and that and the other thing. And here's what kind of car they drive and where they go on vacation and what kind of home they have. Is that what we need to know or is there some more that we need to dig into?
1: So that information may be relevant. Um, it's certainly relevant for a designer who is... You know, looking at the, the, the places that your ideal client likes to shop and so forth because they're designing the online storefront, your, your website. Remember, your website is your online store. And so they have to consider where do your buyers like to shop? What kind of vacations do they like to take? What kind of cars do they like to drive? What kind of brands are they familiar with? Because they want your online storefront to feel comfortable for your, for your browser or your reader. For our purposes of messaging and hooking your reader when they land on your website, it's not as important for us. So what we have discovered is the stuff that we really want to look at is sort of, you got to peel back the layer beyond demographics and kind of dig in even further.
0: And so we're really talking about two things that we wanted to dig into as we peel those layers back. One are the ethographics, which are the values and beliefs that the buyer has ultimately in the situation the couple and then also the the psychographics what are the attitudes and behaviors that they exhibit when getting at the core drivers for their decision making in life whether they know it or not
1: exactly so you know the first thing that we want to know about the ideal client is and this is obvious but it's super important we want to know what they want more than anything from you and your product as a service provider. So they wanna, we want to know what they desire more than anything when it comes to the outcome of their wedding, the end result of their photographs, um, even what they want their experience to feel like. So we want to get to their biggest desires. We also want to understand what's keeping them up at night related to their wedding or event. We want to know what they're most concerned about, what they're most nervous about.
0: Yeah, and we're not talking about the surface level things here. Again, we're trying to dig in. So if you're a photographer, for instance, it's they don't just want pretty photos. Yeah, they want that. But they want to feel beautiful in front of the camera. They want to feel comfortable in their own skin. They want to look back decades from now during their anniversaries and their kids are looking at the images with them and feel proud of who they were and what image they had at that point. You know, they want to create a legacy and an heirloom for the rest of the, their family for generations to come that they, they brought two families together to create their own and et cetera, et cetera. These are the things that you're really trying to identify in your ideal clients. But we also want to know a little bit more about what motivates them. And this is really core. This is at the root of how people make emotional decisions is that they're looking at the psychological triggers that they probably don't even know are there and they're responding to them. And what you want to do as a service provider is make sure that you understand what is truly deep down driving the decision that they're making. So what motivates them? Is it a sense of a connection with other people? Is it celebrating life and its moments? Is it picking up and gaining status within their social group? Is it claiming their independence and and their their sense of style for everybody to see how unique and different they are? Is it something else? you want to know what it is that drives them so that you can then create those messages. And that's the, what that you're trying to create, but you're also focused on the how, and that comes from how they naturally communicate. What communication preferences do they have? How do they interact with the world? And that goes back to our, our four buyer types that we talk about quite a bit on the podcast and in our content. And it's really crucial that you know that much about them in those two two key areas, what they want to hear and how they want to hear it or what they want to see and how they want to see it.
1: Yeah. And you've done excellent podcasts about these topics, both the motivations as well as the buyer type. So if you're listening and you have no idea what the heck we're talking about, um, I wish I had the episodes to reference, but definitely go back and take a look at the episodes and and you'll you'll learn a lot about each of the four buyer types and not only how to sell to each of the four buyer types, but how to adjust your website accordingly.
0: So there's a couple more things, Katie, when I was going through and prepping for the podcast that I know that we do on our brand communication strategies when we define an ideal client and and their psychographics and behaviors. What are, what are the remaining two things that we really want to focus on with ideal clients?
1: We really want to understand if they have any false beliefs related to your product or service category. Um, or do they, are there any misconceptions they have about you know, planning or planners or photographers? Are there any myths that exist about, you know, like a wedding planner being bossy or a videographer always being, you know, in the way with a camera in your face? Um, I was going
0: to say that one, but I was going to say about being in the way of the photographer.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, that's another one for sure, for sure. Um, But, you know, there are there are these like false beliefs and some of them are, somewhat valid. I mean, they went to another wedding and they saw somebody's, you know, camera crew on the dance floor in the thick of things like getting in everybody's way. And so now that's what they don't want for their wedding. And they assume every videography team operates the same way. So we want to make sure that if they have those false beliefs and that's going to any way, shape or form get in the way of them wanting to move forward with your services, that we find a way to sort of bust those. So that's definitely important. And then the last one is understanding how the heck they came to find you. You know, did they come to you through uh, a word of mouth, you know, referral from a past client or from a, you know, a planner or a venue? Or did they literally type, you know, wedding stationer into Google plus their city and you popped up that way. And why that's important is that will let us know where they are in this decision-making journey. You've heard us talk about the five stages of awareness, unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, and most aware. And Typically, if they're just an organic search, they're gonna be a little bit earlier on in that decision making journey. Whereas if they, you know, were referred by a planner, you're probably the planners probably warmed you up a little bit for the for the audience. So oh. kind of knowing where you are in that spectrum actually helps to determine how to, as as this whole topic is about, hook them when they land on your website.
0: That's great. So a little bit of background for everybody on ideal client avatars and getting below the surface of the demographics, so the ethographics and the psychographics, so that you know your buyer inside and out, really focusing on the way that they are approaching making decisions both consciously and subconsciously. Because when you know that, you can start to then build your brand strategy from that. Because that's really the next step is that you start with your ideal client avatar. And then you start to build what you want to do to communicate and even what services to offer to address those big desires and bust those false beliefs and connect with them where they're at. So, for instance, we do a lot of website copywriting for our clients. You know, I started off doing sales coaching and talking about pricing strategy. And over the last three or four years, we've become really a copywriting company. We have six full time copywriters on our team, including Katie. And so we're doing over hundred projects a year right now. And one of the things that we do for every single one of our website copywriting projects is we provide a brand communication strategy that digs into this ideal client avatar, comes up with a profile, and then creates perfect solutions that you as a brand offer for the biggest desires and concerns that address those false beliefs and communicates them in a way that's important and triggers those emotions and all those different things that we just talked about here on the podcast episode. So that really is the next step. I will give you just a quick little shortcut. Katie might kill me for sharing a little bit of our secret sauce, but it doesn't have to be hard to come up with your perfect solutions. If you know your client's biggest desires and concerns, just lay them out. And then on the other side of the page or in a different column, write down what is your answer to that problem that they have what is your solution to what that problem is so if they are very concerned about the videography team or photography team you know gumming up the dance floor vibes then you need to come up with what you do to get those great photos at the reception when people are dancing their faces off without being in the way of everybody and that then becomes one of your solutions that you then focus your content on not just on the website, but also in your social media and on your blog content. And when you talk about your business at networking meetings and throughout the sales process, that becomes a pillar of your brand. And that's what you then focus your communication strategy on. So that's how you come up with these perfect solutions. And what I wanna spend the rest of the podcast episode, and Katie, you are a master of this, and that is putting the perfect solution out in a way that hooks the ideal client So that they know that they're talking about them. So explain that term hooking or or, hook and what that means when we're talking about it on the website.
1: So the hook is a combination of images and words that, you know, essentially peak and hold uh, a reader's interest. So, you know, when they first land on your website, this would look like the hero section of your homepage that you know, full bleed likely image plus the copy that overlays it and a little bit of intro copy. That's what we refer to as the hook. And your hook is either going to attract or repel the reader that lands on your site. If it's done correctly, it will attract the right readers, the readers that are your ideal clients and hopefully repel the wrong ones. Um, But again, it is that combination of both words and visuals that'll do that.
0: So let me provide some grip to this so that it sticks in your mind. So you describe Katie the, you know, a, a hero image, for instance, and we've talked about videographers. So when we're going through and looking at a client's website or you're looking at your own and you're trying to think what so what do I put there to hook them? How do I know what what image or or video to select? So let's just say that you know that you're marketing to people who love to, you know, their work hard play hard types, they like to dance their faces off. You know, they prefer the rehearsal dinner over the actual wedding day because they want to just, you know, party and cut loose and and enjoy themselves without being constricted by a very tight white dress or a suit. And then you have, say, another couple that is is not so much about that. Maybe they've decided to do a, a more intimate wedding and they're focused on family traditions and they, they really want to have an opportunity to spend time with their family and friends and connect because they don't get to see them very much anymore. So what image do you... Put on your hero image? Well, for the first couple, the one that likes to dance their faces off, you would want to put a photo or video showing something that is sensory, something that is active, something that is full of fun and activity and engagement, because that's what motivates them. But if you were aiming for the second couple, you would put some sort of emotional, intimate moment could be, you know, wiping a tear away or uh, an embrace or the first look or walking down the aisle with their parents or something like that, that really shows that meaningful connection. So for instance, I am the the first type of person and Katie is a second type. So if I was your ideal client and you were trying to market to me, but you put the tearjerker image or video up, I would be completely repelled. I'd be like, that's not my videographer. I'm not doing you,
1: that. You'd be like, that's so cheesy.
0: I'm like, that's so cheesy. I don't want, like, I don't want to sit there and ball in front of everybody that I know that's not what I want to look back on and remember. But if Katie was your ideal client and she saw that she could have been really impacted by it. And she, she might've said, wow, this is a site for me. I want to keep going down. So that's the attract and repel. No words have been said this happens in a split second and it gets them or not to the next step, which is to then read the tagline or the intro copy that's below. And so in that first section You've got a few seconds to make that impression through images and through copy and even through the layout of the words and and how, how many are there and how they flow and all of that, or you're going to lose somebody and never get them back forever. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about hooking somebody. You bring them in, you grab their attention. Now, it's not enough just to hook. You have to attract people, but you also have to maintain their attention and interest. But for this episode, we really just want to focus on that hook because so many wedding pros that have websites miss the mark and have extremely high bounce rates. And because they're marketing with the wrong images and and videos and copy, they're not connecting with their ideal clients because they're putting out things that don't resonate with them. I'm curious, Katie, we do a ton of website reviews. I think we've done something like 75 since the beginning of the year. It's wild. But... When we go through and look at these website reviews, what are we seeing in this place where we know a really strong hook should be? What are most people putting in that place?
1: You know, the the image may be decent, but then the 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 intro copy, which is also as I mentioned earlier kind of part of that hook, oftentimes instead of it being a true hook to meet the reader where where they are, it ends up being a we believe statement at well,
0: uh, right, we believe we-
1: we believe that life's biggest moments are meant to be celebrated with, you know, whatever. Like, it's always a we believe statement or a, a statement of like, you know, ID Action Consulting is a, you know, business consulting and copywriting company for wedding pros. That's not necessarily terrible. They need to know when they land on their, your site that they've actually shown up to the right place. So it's not terrible, but it's, it's really making the copy more about you as a business rather than them about as the buyer.
0: Or even SEO, right? I'm, I mean, we I see a lot of stuff on websites, especially you know, in headings and subheadings where you can just tell that they're trying to write to their one reader who is nicknamed Google. And sure, the goal might be achieved by, by having them come into the website. But remember, SEO is about getting people to your website, not hooking them once they get in. And so you just got to be real careful to balance the SEO intentions for your website with the engagement interests of your website. And ultimately, once they get to the site, you want them to go to the contact form and fill it out. So if you can't hook them right away with the images or the copy, you're never going to get to the point where you're seeing the full results or reaching the full potential of your website.
1: That's true. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, You know, there's a method to SEO and it's like a fine line of getting it in to be effective. You want to obviously have it bring them to the site, but when you read somebody's site and you know it's been optimized for SEO, but it's like in your face, it's a huge turnoff. And, and, a, and it's not just me that can see that. I mean, any, any browser that comes to your site would be able to notice that right away. Yeah. So definitely rely on an expert to, to guide you on that.
0: I'll point out here before we wrap up that if you are listening to this and you want to know if your hook is set where it needs to be, One way that you can do that is by asking your ideal clients, your current clients that you love, like, you know, Hey, does this resonate with you? Or you can give them a couple of different options for images. I love to put polls out for images and, you know, is this or that, and you can pick a theme and then do like three or four to make sure that you get, you know, some consistency in the selections, but listen to your audience. They'll, they'll tell you what you need to say. You can even test out different taglines on your, your, your favorite clients or on Instagram and take polls. So that, that's a really good way to move forward, move the needle forward. But also you can see if you even have a problem in the first place by going to your Google Analytics and checking out your bounce rate. And if you're getting very short time on your homepage uh, and if you're getting a really high bounce rate, then that's something for you to pay attention to. If you're seeing 50, 60, 70% of the people land on your site and not click through to another page, you know, from your homepage, that's a really big problem. You've done all that work to get them there, and then you didn't do the one thing you needed to do, which was to tell them they're in the right place. It's like they open the door to the store, they peek their head in, and they're like, nope, not for me. I'll I'll tell you a funny story on my trip. Katie, I didn't even tell you this, but I I went to this small town. It was called um, Shop, and it was on day...
1: that one was called Shop?
0: Shop, S H A B. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, it was after a really long, grueling, my hardest day, 50 mile an hour winds. I climbed up 4,000 feet in elevation. And
1: this is on his backpacking trip in England.
0: Yes, yes. Sorry. Yes, yes. in England on my truck. And uh, it, it was a 16 mile day. So it, it was a long day, wet. I had to change my socks twice. And I pull into shop and I get checked in and I get in, I hang my clothes up to get them all dried out. And I'm like, I need a beer and a fish and chips. So I go out and I walk down this town and there's like maybe 200 people who live in this town. There are three restaurants. One is half a mile away. One is a mile away and one is two miles away. Well, you can imagine which one I was hoping would be the right one. So I walk in, I walk the half a mile. I feel like I can barely move my legs anymore. I walk in and I open up the door. And there is a woman with like a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, yelling at a dog, shut the up. And then I look and there's like three toothless old timers who are sitting at the bar with their pints and like the record stops and they look over at me. And I literally walked in one step, felt this whole thing happen in in a second or two. And I literally said out loud, nope, not my place. And I turned around and walked out <laughs> and walked another half mile down the road to whatever the name of the other place was and enjoyed a pint and my fish and chips. But I tell that story because that's, that's a really good analogy for what your couples could feel like if they click on the link to your site and they open up the door by looking at the hero image and listening to the person and what they're saying, in this case the woman yelling at the dog, I'm sure you're not doing that, but you may not be saying the right words with the copy that you're putting on your hero section or in your intro just below it. And you may get the same kind of effect of somebody going, "Mm, nope, not my place. And they turn around and leave. That's what your bounce rate measures. So if you have a a bounce rate, 50, 60, 70% uh, on your homepage, that's a real issue that you need to address. We think that you've got some ideas of what you can do. Uh, through this episode. Thank you, Katie, for sharing. If you're interested in getting our opinion or perspective on your website, Hook, or any other part of your website, uh, we are offering uh, right now a half-off special for us to go through and to evaluate your website. We give uh, a good 30 minute screen record with dozens of improvements that you can make immediately to your website. Uh, They range from navigation, to calls to action, to image selection, copy layout, contact forms, and deep dives on each one of the pages that you have on your site. So it's very, very valuable, good bang for buck, and gives you a nice little list of things that you can put into practice to try and get more people to inquire, which most of our clients and most of you are probably interested in doing. So Thank you so much for tuning in. Katie, any final words before we wrap up today?
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through.